Lock and Load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Good morning and welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour here in beautiful downtown Atlanta. Uh, last week we talked about... Uh, about a lot of the things that we have accomplished as a as an organization, and I got through most of HB sixty. So we're going to pick up there, and we're going to start on off and see if we can't get the rest of it uh, in today. Uh, I told you uh, just to review HB sixty prohibited law enforcement from detaining a person solely for the purpose of determining if he or she has a license. Allowed carrying to government buildings that do not have security screening. Allowed carrying to bars. Prohibited public housing from denying Second Amendment rights to the renters. Allowed suppressors for hunting. Gave churches the power to opt in uh, for church carry, but penalized those who don't have permission to do so. Added private property to the code section in uh, 1611-127. Allowed school districts to arm teachers, if they so desire. Redefined convicted to an adjudication of guilt. allowed persons under 18 to obtain a GWL, uh, repealed uh, the requirements for fingerprints on renewals, required reporting of anyone adjudicated with mental illness to GCIC, expanded the preemption list to include any agency, board, department, commission, or authority of the state other than the General Assembly, and it repealed the governor's emergency powers. Along with that, there were four other things that it did, and probably more that I didn't pick up as I went through. Uh, it prohibited uh, anyone maintaining a database of Georgia weapons license holders. Uh, it gave the right uh, to retreat at airports. At, at uh, When HB 60 first passed, you had the right to, when you carried into the airport, if you were found at the TSA station with a firearm, prior to that, you were, uh, you were arrested, you were uh, fined, Somewhere in the neighborhood of $2,500, you had to uh, get an attorney. You, in most, in a lot of instances, lost your firearm. And that was changed to where if you had a license, then you were allowed to retreat, take the license, the gun out of the airport, and back to your car and and go on your way and not be arrested and and, uh, having to put up with the other stuff. However, uh, a year or so later, the FBI under President Obama decided that that wasn't a good thing. So... Now, if you get caught there with a license and you're not uh, deemed to be doing something other than uh, just you forgot the, the gun was in your briefcase or whatever, uh, you they will give you a ticket and they will charge you $100 for it when you go to court and they will take your firearm until you pay the ticket. Um, it established a $10 fine for not carrying your license with you when you were carrying a firearm. And it expanded, one of the most important things it did was expanded your the stand-your-ground law to allow you to defend yourself or another person in an off-limits place. The, excuse, the uh, example that I used most of the time was if you were standing across the street from a college campus, which at that time was off-limits, and your daughter or wife were walking across the campus and someone attacked her, if, prior to HB 60, if you ran onto that campus and defended her, then uh, you would be arrested for carrying in an off-limits location. 
This did away with that, allowed you to defend yourself or others in a an off-limits location. Now, um, after that, that was 2014. 2015 came along, and we had a cleanup bill. It's called HB 492, and what it did was just uh, just clarify a few things that that uh, were not cleared perfectly clear in HB 60. Um, the uh, one of the things it did was uh, polling places have always been off limits, and that was whether there was a voting going on or not. So we got that changed to where uh, only when elections are being conducted and such places being used as a polling place. Uh, also, um, we put in a time frame for an application to be considered for renewal license if the applicant has a weapons carry license or renewal license with 90 days or fewer remaining. remaining uh, you can uh, go ahead and get that uh, weapon done, or 30 days afterwards, you can go ahead and apply for it within 90 days before or 30 days after. Don't wait 31 days. If you do, you then you're uh, you're going to have to go back through the fingerprinting process. Uh, it defined armed forces for the purposes of J- obtaining a GWL, which was for the uh, 18, 19, and 20 year old uh, persons who had been in the military. Uh, there seemed to be some question on some of the probate court's minds, so we went back and changed that, cleaned it up, and and uh, go from there. Uh, cut off five days of the waiting list by giving a probate judge only five days to order a background check. Prior to that, they had ten days. Uh, the uh, It required the probate judge to notify GCIC if a license is revoked. Um, it requires a, a court order for a superior or state judge to inquire to the probate judge about a GWL. Uh, and it authorized the probate judge or his designee to verify the legitimacy uh, to law enforcement, provided they go through the proper channels, which is a court order. Uh, and the uh, the only thing that they can do, however, uh, the probate judge or his designee can uh, only, they're not authorized to provide any further information regarding the license holder. They can't tell you telephone number, any of that kind of stuff. So they can say that, yes, it's good. No, it's not. Uh, change the, wep- the definition of a weapon in the preemption law to mean any device designed or intended to be used or capable of being used for offense or defense, including but not limited to firearms, blade devices, clubs, electric stun devices, and defense sprays. Uh, that was to keep uh, local jurisdictions from uh, prohibiting those things who are, which are not against the law for you to have, except through local preemption. Uh, loosened up the zero defense or zero tolerance laws in schools uh, by requiring a school to report incident only when it involves a firearm, a dangerous weapon, or a weapon used uh, with uh, together with an assault. Prior to that, if a, a kid walked in with a with a pocket knife in his in his uh, pocket or in a had it in his car or whatever, and he got caught with it, he was subject to felony charges. This happened in Cobb County, I think, to two different students uh, back in uh, 2014. And that was the, the emphasis behind this uh, change in the law was to give the schools a little bit of, of leeway so that you don't have to, 
Now, if you find somebody with a fishing knife in their car, you don't have to call the law on them and, and make them a felon. So that's what uh, that's basically what that that did um, was clean those things up. Then in HB uh, in 2016, we worked very hard to get HB 1060, which was another cleanup bill, uh, passed. Uh, it was would do a whole lot of things that we really wanted done. Uh, however, uh, one of the things that we tried to do in that particular bill was we tried to make churches. Uh, private property once again as as we've stated on here many times churches are private property should be such should be treated as such however uh, governor deal does not agree with us in that and uh, according to him that was why he vetoed uh, hb 1080 Uh, so we wound up with nothing on that one also we worked rather hard as well uh, in 2016 to get uh, HB 859 passed, which was a campus carry bill, which was very similar to what we what we wound up with this past year. Um, the governor uh, decided that it didn't have enough off limits locations. He wanted uh, he wanted daycare centers, which we found out later on. Uh, most of the daycare centers in the colleges. Are in uh, the dorms and not in uh, not in a particular standalone building, and uh, he wanted those included. Why we don't know. There's not another daycare center in the state that's off limits, so uh, we we didn't see any rationale in that. But he did, and of course vetoed it. So we worked rather hard in uh, 2016 uh, on two bills that we thought we had a chance of getting at least one of them signed into law and wound up with nothing. Uh, and therefore, we figured that starting into 2017, we weren't going to get a whole lot out of out of that. We had decided that this was probably, HB 60 was probably the last bill that Governor Deal would sign during his term in office. As you probably know, he has one more year to go, and uh, whether we get anything or not is, uh, is anybody's guess, but we're going to continue to try whether, uh, whether he signs it or not. We're... Uh, we have we've been fortunate so far. Those are the only two bills that have come up that Georgia Kerry has pushed that have been vetoed. So uh, basically, if we can get them passed, most of the time we do a pretty good job of getting them uh, signed into law. Uh, we're um, we've got several bills. I've still got a couple of bills I got to talk to you about today, and we've got several bills that are several things that I'm looking at that we'll discuss here in a few minutes. Uh, but right now, I'm getting ready to take a break. I want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org. That's our website. We uh, we have everything that we've ever done on that website. You can join. You can uh, renew your membership. You can check any lawsuit that we've had. Every paper that was ever signed on a, any lawsuit suit is on that on that website. Uh, you can follow us at Georgia Carry. I'm at gotyourback 64 on Twitter. You can download the commercial-free podcast at Newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, once again, we'll, we're talking about laws that we have, uh, or bills that we have passed and signed into law in the last 
10 years, uh, and there's things that we've done besides just sign bills into law. We've, we've had numerous lawsuits that we'll talk about, and, and there's, uh, we have lawsuits that are going on right now that are very important to us, and uh, we feel they're important to you as well. We don't take lawsuits lightly. We don't file them unless we think that we can win them, and we think that it's something that all the members of GeorgiaCarry.org, as well as the gun owners in the state of, of Georgia, can benefit by. Uh, it, it takes too much time and effort and money to file a lawsuit that that's not going to benefit anybody. So that's our approach, and, and we intend to stay. As was said before, we've had we have two a three prong approach. We educate, which is kind of what we're doing right now. We uh, legislate, which is what we do every uh, general assembly session, and if all else fails, we litigate, and that's been a very effective. Uh, approach so far as you can see um this past session uh we had uh, hb 280 which is the campus carry bill uh came up and uh it was a, another hard fought battle we had to settle for less than what we wanted but uh we did get our foot in the door uh, a lot of people have complained that that this bill doesn't go far enough and i would submit to you that that there are no bills that go far enough unless it repeals everything, and you're not going to get those to happen very often. So you take what you get, you come back next year, and you try again to uh, to expand on those places. And we've been very successful in doing that, and we expect to do so on the campus carry bill. But basically, the, the campus carry bill allows persons with a valid GWL to carry uh, concealed on campus. It must be concealed. Uh, and there's a definition of concealed that I'll read to you in a minute. And it's not as tough as uh, as some states are in, in their concealment. Um, and it uh, you're allowed to carry, you're allowed to carry basically on most of the campus because most of the campuses are outdoors. So you can always carry outdoors. You can carry into classrooms. You can't carry into daycare centers or preschool space. And there's a definition for that, which I will we'll tell you as well, so that the the schools can't just put up a sign that says daycare center and put every building on the campus off limits. Uh, it can't carry in student housing. Uh, it can't carry for buildings used for sporting events. You, that means you can't carry into a basketball game or volleyball game, things of that nature. Uh, you can't carry uh, into the football stadium. However, you can carry at a tailgate party. If you're having a tailgate party this weekend or next weekend, whenever you're going to go out uh you can uh, have you can carry at a tailgate party on the on the campus you can't carry in classrooms used for career academy or where high school students are enrolled now that's a that's a kind of a sticky part because it's against the law to tell you who those people are so i have a feeling that that if that's ever challenged there may be some there may be some fallout from that because you can't tell me who it is, but you have to tell me who my uh, who it is that's accusing me, who my accuser is in uh, any kind of complaint. So uh, I think that's going to have to to be changed as well. Can't carry into faculty, staff, or administrative offices where uh, disciplinary proceedings are conducted. Now, there's a lot of I've heard a lot of, of talk from professors throughout the state who are upset because they can't carry into their office. They can carry into the classroom, can't carry into their office. 
that's rather ridiculous. I agree, but we didn't write the bill. We we had to go along with what we got. We uh, we wrote it without that in it. But uh, once that once that passed, then that's what we're that's what we're stuck with. So there's a lot of professors that are not happy because they can't carry into their offices. Uh, this uh, if you violate this law for carrying on a campus into a place that's off limits. Uh, there is um, it is a misdemeanor. However, the first offense is a twenty-five dollar fine and no sentence of confinement. Uh, misdemeanor normally carries a charge of uh, up to a thousand dollar fine and are one year in jail. Uh, however, in this instance, you get a you get an almost freebie. It'll cost you twenty-five dollars if you carry it in the wrong place. Uh, now the second time it will be a misdemeanor, but uh, the first time uh, you've got a got a chance to kind of figure out where you are, where you can go, and and uh, what you can do before you get uh, before you get handcuffed and sent off somewhere. Um, the definition of preschool or daycare center, and I'm reading this from the bill, uh, means any room or continuous collection of rooms or any enclosed outdoor facilities which are separated from other spaces by an electronic mechanism or human staff point of control access and designated for the provision of preschool or child care services. Included but not limited to preschool or children's services licensed or regulated under Article 1, Chapter 1A of Title, uh, which are, I believe is Title 20. Uh, I cut that off on my notes, sorry. Uh, it also defines conceal carry. Uh, conceal carry means it's carried in such a fashion that does not actively solicit the attention of others and is not prominently, openly, and intentionally displayed except for the purpose of defense of self or others. Such terms shall include, but not be limited to, carrying on one's person while such handgun is substantially but not necessarily completely covered by an article of clothing which is worn by such person carrying by such person carrying within a bag of a nondescript nature which is being carried about by such person or carrying in any other fashion as to not be clearly discernible by the passive observation of others. So uh, it is concealed but it's it's a uh, it's not like some states. Some states, if you can, if you do any printing, uh, then you're you're going to be arrested for carrying uh, openly and and not being concealed. Uh, one of the things about this uh, this bill that that I like is the fact that no longer can a criminal or a bad guy, whatever you want to call him, sit across the street from a university and pick out the people that he wants to attack, because he no longer knows, or he or she no longer know who's armed, and who's not armed. And to me, that is a big deterrent. At night, when people are walking out of the, the library late at night, and a lot of a lot of young folks do that at, at campus, you've got you to do research. Uh, prior to July the 1st, you were disarmed when you went into the library. Now, you're not. You can carry into the library. You can carry off. And so somebody comes up and attacks you at night, or attacks anybody at night, does not necessarily know what they're getting into. Prior to July the 1st, they were pretty sure that unless it was a policeman or something that was who was uh, exempted under uh, 1611-130, the exempt 
statue, uh, they weren't going to be carrying. And now that's not the case. Anybody can be carrying on the campus. Of course, you have to be over 21 to have a GWL, but most people are not going to be able to sit there and say, well, that guy's only 19 years old, or that person's only 18, or that person's not carrying. There's a lot of people that I know carry that um, when I first met them, I would not have thought that they were carrying, but they always do, and they always will. And so as long as these people can can protect themselves, we're in good shape. Another thing that's good about it is I had uh, nursing students out at Kennesaw State tell me that uh, one of the reasons they wanted to get this passed was because when they leave school at night, there's a lot of nursing students who are, um, they've, they've raised a family or their children are on up in, into school, high school, junior high or something, and, and they're going to school at night to become a nurse. And those parking lots at night when they leave out of there, especially in the wintertime when the sun goes down about 530, is extremely dark. There's a lot of bushes. They never know where they, uh, where danger may lurk. And they're totally, they have been until now, totally defenseless. Now they can carry, they can protect themselves walking across those dark spaces and not have to worry about whether they're going to be attacked or not. Uh, and, of course, that's one of the reasons we want people to be trained so they know what to do in a situation where they do get attacked. Uh, basically, uh, the majority of the campus you can carry on. Uh, you can't carry into some of the buildings, uh, but uh, you're, you're, uh, you're much better off than what you were. Now, a lot of people complain because you can't carry it into the student buildings or the um, uh, student housing can't carry them into the dorm, so where do you put the gun? Well, do you put it the same place that you put it last year before you started, before a campus carry passed and was signed into law? You have to leave it in your vehicle. People complain that that's going to create uh, more guns stolen on the campus. Well, we've been allowing that on campus since 2010. In the last seven years, you haven't seen an awful lot of increase in theft of firearms in vehicles on uh, campuses here in Georgia. If they do it, they certainly don't make the papers. And believe me, we watch. Uh, we're coming up to another break here. want to remind you one more time, go to georgiacarry.org, check us out, see what we've been doing. Uh, all the information I'm giving you basically is on our website. And I uh, want to remind you to uh, follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. I'm at gotyourback64. You can download the commercial free podcast at newstalk1160.com and we'll be right back. And now, back to georgiacarry.org radio with georgiacarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to georgiacarry.org. We, uh, We've got a, uh, one more bill that we need to talk about. Uh, that's HB 292, which was passed this year as well. And this was another one of those cleanup bills that, that, um, just, it gave us a lot more things, uh, a lot of things that we wanted and needed, but wasn't really strong enough to put in a standalone bill. So we, uh, we put them into what we've got to, gotten used to calling a, a cleanup bill. And it's just things that, that fit into a lot of categories. It's, uh, it, I guess you could say it's kind of like the comprehensive bills, except it's not as expanded. It's just one or two things out of each one of the code sections that we we look at. Uh, one of the things that was passed in uh, HB 292 was Georgia Firearms Industry Non-Discriminant Act. 
Non-Discrimination Act uh, prohibits lending institutions from denying loans to firearm dealers and manufacturers solely on the basis of them being in the firearm business. If you remember, uh, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, Obama came up with a choke point system, and they there were a lot of manufacturers and a lot of uh, firearms dealers who were denied money from banks for loans that the, these are with banks that they've been dealing with for years and years and years. But in order to try to control the output of them, government came up with this uh, choke point system to lean down on the banks and keep them from giving loans to people who were manufacturing and selling firearms. This uh, portion of the bill prohibits that from happening in Georgia. So if you're in the firearms business here, either manufacturing or uh, selling, then uh, you can't be discriminated simply because of, of the business that you're in. Uh, this uh, changed the definition of a knife to a blade greater than four, uh, than 12 inches. Now, that's in the definition of a weapon. When you look at Georgia weapons license, that allows you to carry a, a weapon, which uh, is defined as a knife or a handgun. Now, uh, prior to July the 1st, when this was signed into law, uh, it was, uh, or when this went into law, it was uh, a five-inch blade. So this makes it a whole lot bigger blade. You don't have to worry about uh, having to have a license to carry a five- or six-inch blade knife. Um, it uh, it prohibited the um, attorney general from not recognizing states for reciprocity when the states uh, do not allow persons under 21 to carry. Uh, there are several states whose laws, whose state statutes state that no one can carry a, a handgun under 21 years of age in that state, whether you have a license or not. Uh, this came to, to pass with Virginia last year. Virginia, uh, first they, it was kind of a long story, but first they um, they did away with, or they announced they were going to do away with all the reciprocal, all the reciprocity agreements that Virginia had. Well, the legislator came back before that and passed the 50-state reciprocity bill, which meant that um, they had to recognize every state's firearms license. The governor signed it, although he was one that didn't want, that he was trying to get it done, but it was uh, it was overwhelming uh, vote, so it would have been, uh, his veto would have been overridden had he vetoed it. So uh, Virginia came to us, asked us to for reciprocity so their citizens could carry down there. When we when they passed the fifty state reciprocity, we were automatically included in that. If you were if you had a firearms license from Georgia, you you were okay. But uh, not the other way around. Our attorney general at that time uh, was uh, Sam Olins, and his office determined that uh, they couldn't they couldn't uh, give reciprocity to Virginia because they didn't recognize people. Uh, under 21 years of age who had a license. And we have a few who are the ones that we've discussed before that are 18 to 21 years old, uh, have been in the military, have training or are in the military, and can uh, have proof of training and have either still been in the service or have received an honorable discharge. Those people uh, are eligible for a Georgia weapons license. And the attorney general used that as an excuse for why 
uh, they wouldn't get reciprocity with us. We file suit. That takes a long time sometimes to get those suits through court. Uh, but um, in the meantime, we came back and passed uh, this portion of the bill that gave us reciprocity with Virginia. Again, it didn't help us too much, but it helped the people in Virginia that come down here to travel. And that was the goal to begin with. Also, during the um, during the trial, the attorney general stated that there was nothing in the statute that, that caused him to have to keep a list of recipro- uh, reciprocal states. So also included in that bill was a, a, a portion that requires the AG to create and maintain on their website a list of states whose laws recognize and give effect to a license issued by the state of Georgia. So now uh, it went from them being nice about it to it's a statute where he has to keep it up on his website who we have reciprocity with. Um, one of the things that, that this law corrected too, uh, an awful lot of people move over here. I moved over here from another state, uh, and, uh, many people do. I, I moved from Texas. Texas has reciprocity with Georgia, but when you come, uh, until this last July the 1st, when you moved here with a license from Florida, you know, any of the 29 or 30 states that we have reciprocity with, the minute you got your Georgia driver's license, your uh, firearms license was no good because you have to be, you had to be a, a, a the only a, only people who can carry as a citizen of Georgia has to have a Georgia weapons license. Now, prior to them moving over here, they carry anywhere they want to, just like me and you. All they have to do is follow the law. But the day they move over here and become a citizen, they're no longer qualified to do that. So we we got uh, we put in a uh, a part that allows a ninety day grace period for persons moving to Georgia from a state that has re- reciprocal agreement with Georgia to obtain a Georgia weapons license. So now, if you move over from from Texas or Tennessee or wherever, when you come down here, you apply for your driver's license. Your uh, permit is still good for 90 days. You have 90 days to get your others, which is more than enough time. It gives you time to slack off in the beginning, but uh, you do have plenty of time to get a Georgia weapons license. If you don't get it after 90 days, then you can't carry. That's that's on you. But uh, now at least you are not disarmed the minute you become a, a citizen of the state of Georgia. Um they also, uh, you know, there have been a lot of things said about training, and um, in this bill they suggested that the probate courts and the DNR have a list of uh, people and places and websites where people can go to get proper training to carry a firearm. Um, it's my belief and, and practice that that's the father's job. When you're raised, your father should teach you how to shoot. If your father can't shoot, then your mother should be able to. And you should learn this from them and know by the time it's old enough, you're old enough to get a license, you should know what the safety rules are and you should know how to apply them. Now, as far as, uh, as, uh, being in a, being involved in a situation requiring a firearm, that's a different story. So, uh, those, that kind of training you do have to get, but that's training that you need to get on your own and you determine what you want. Um, it, uh, it changed the uh, portion of hunting and fishing with a valid license. Uh, 
where you could carry a, um, if you're hunting or fishing with a valid hunting or fishing license on property that you have permission to hunt and fish on, you have been able to carry a handgun or a knife uh, on that property while you were hunting or fishing. We changed that to weapon so that now you can, you couldn't carry a knife, but you could carry, I think I said you'd carry a knife, but you couldn't carry a knife without a license. You could carry a handgun without a license. And now you can carry a weapon without a license. That means that your your uh, 12, 14-inch blade knife, uh, you can carry it with a license, but up to 12 inches you can carry it without a license. Um, uh, the judge of the probate court shall not suspend the processing of the application or extend, delay, or avoid any time requirements provided for under this paragraph. That means basically that the there are some probate judges that uh, every once in a while they just take a stack of, of applications, set them to the side, and said, I'm going to have a hearing on these uh, in two or three weeks. And the applicant can't do anything until they get their hearing. So this prohibits that from uh, being uh, being an action anymore. The, the, the probate judges are not allowed to do that. And if they do, they can be sued, and it can cost them money. So... We uh, we we got that stopped, uh, and that that basically uh, that's basically been a procedure I think in Clayton County and some other places, but mostly Clayton County. Um, we're coming up to another break. Boy, time's really flying when you have a lot of fun, huh? I want to remind you one more time: go to georgiacarry.org, uh, org. That's our website. You can find anything there. You can find our contact information. If you have questions. Give me a call. My name and number's on there. Uh, you can also uh, go to Newstalk1160.com and download the commercial free podcast. And we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, continuing on with uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, success Georgia Carry has had in the last ten years. As you can see, it's it's quite uh, quite extensive, and and I haven't really dro- hit everything. I've tried to highlight most of it. There's a lot of things that are are smaller things that that uh, came about, but uh, I'm trying to trying to hit the highlights for you. Otherwise, we'd have to be here another week, and you'd have to put up with me for one more week, and either that or not listen. But uh, it sets forth a provision for revoking a Georgia weapons license after a person has been convicted or otherwise adjudicated in a manner that would require revocation of the GWL. Uh, basically, what it does, it tells the the uh, superior and state courts what procedure they need to use. And they have to do it through a uh, uh, court order back to the probate judge uh, to tell them what's going on, et cetera. And then uh, it'll all be reported and taken care of. It goes back to GCIC. The person will have his license revoked. It is also against the law for you to carry uh, a license. Or if you be in possession of a license, that has been revoked. So um, another thing that it does is... Uh, prior to this year, uh, if a lady got married right after she had gotten her license, 
there was no way for her to change her name, as well as she couldn't change her address, or if you turned around and moved uh, a week or two after you got your license, or even a year or so afterwards, there was no procedure for you to go through to change your address or to change your name on your license. Uh, now we have a, we're allowed to do that through the probate court if the license is valid for more than 90 days. If you're uh, over 90 days away from renewal, then you are allowed to go in and, and petition the court and get your name changed or your address, whatever you want to do. And it's supposed to cost you about six bucks. Uh, if it's less than 90 days, then they tell you just wait till the new one comes in and, and not mess with it. Um, we had a, a situation in Cobb County where uh, one young lady was told that she had to pay uh, the full $75, even though she had a, a license there, because changing her name meant she was somebody else. And uh, she was told to carry her, if she wanted to be safe, to carry her marriage license with her to try to prove who she was, uh, if she should get stopped. So we thought that was a little bit ridiculous. And there's a lot of people that want to change their address uh, when they move to uh, various counties. Now, one of the things that, that I've talked with uh, some of the probate judges and the records for your for that particular license is in another county, whatever county it was applied to. Because remember, there are no state databases. So if you apply in Fulton County and get your license and you move to Cuyahoga County, then Cuyahoga County doesn't have your record and a lot of times they will say that the easiest thing for you to do is to go back to Fulton County and have it changed down there because they have the records. Uh, otherwise, it's it's real tough for them to figure out how to, to to do that. Fulton County can just change the name on it, send it to the to the people that do the licenses, and it'll come back to you as an, a new license. And it'll have, the, but it will have the same uh, expiration date on it. Uh, and that's uh, that's good if you have it for ninety days. If it's older than nine or longer than ninety days before it expires, uh, we define a uh, in this particular law we define commercial airport service as an airport that receives scheduled passenger aircraft service from any major airline. We also define a major airline carrier as an airline that has more than one billion dollars in annual operating revenue during a physical year. Now. You're saying, what does that have to do with firearms laws? Well, I'll tell you now that you ask. Um, there's a thing called Wings Over North Atlanta, uh, North Georgia. That's an air show up there in, um, what county is that? It's where Rome is. I forget what the county is. What? Floyd. Floyd County, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Floyd County. Thank you, Marshall. Um, the sheriff up there declared that it was an airport uh, that they were commercial airport and that they could keep us off of there with firearms. And we went back and sued them, and the judge unceremoniously dismissed it and said, you're out. We went back to the to the Supreme Court, and we've, we've been kind of back and forth. Uh, in the lawsuit, one of the things that the, the people said about the airport in Floyd County was that it was a commercial service airport because they had planes land out there, they served coffee and peanuts. Uh, we didn't really think that was a, a good thing to do. So in order to get there, – there's another code section that has to deal with with commercial airports. And they were going under that law to try to stop us from carrying at the, at the shows. 
So we uh, we went in to, to put a little teeth in it to where now they're not a commercial airport. Those statues have nothing to do with them. They're just a regular little airport sitting out there in the country that uh, is going to have an air show, and law-abiding citizens should be able to carry a firearm there to watch that show. Uh, so uh, you can... You can probably see from this that there's a lot of things that enter into us working on laws, trying to change laws, etc. And that that's one of the things that comes into it. And the last thing that this uh, that HB uh, 292 does is it gives protections to firearm instructors. Uh, now there are a lot of firearms instructors that were getting kind of concerned because they're they're afraid that if they uh, give someone training and that person goes out and commits a crime that they might be sued because that person committed a crime. Basically what this law did was said, well, you can't, you can't sue them for that, uh, because, uh, or as long as the training that they received is what they used. In other words, if they trained them how to rob a place, then you could probably sue them. But if you, if you train them properly and they follow they being the the person you train follow the rules that you use then and that you train them on then they can't be sued because that person went out got upset with somebody and and uh, committed a crime so that cleared them from from that sort of thing um you'd hope that that wouldn't happen but unfortunately nowadays everybody's looking for somebody to sue um and speaking of suits, we have a couple going on right now. One of them is uh, the Botanical uh, Gardens here in Atlanta. You probably remember that uh, we had a person that was told he had to leave because it was private property. And, and we changed the law, if you remember, back in 2016 to say that public property that's leased uh, does not have the same rules as private property. And therefore, they can't stop you from carrying on those on that property. And this is a case that has gone back and forth and back and forth. We've been fighting it now for two or three years. Uh, and it's gone from the Supreme Court back to the, to the appellate court, back, you know, back and forth. And we're, uh, we're in the appeals court now. I believe we have a hearing coming up before too long. Another thing that we have is, uh, our lawsuit with the Corps of Engineers. I believe we're having, uh, I believe something's going to happen on that before too long. I don't remember. I believe we have a hearing. Uh, coming up in the next uh, month or so, and we can report back on that. Um, well, I will tell you, we're coming up to the end of the show here, about a minute and a half. Uh, it's been it's been a pretty good trip for me down memory lane. I hope it has you. I have from time to time, I forget what all we've done. And I think this is a good thing for members and, and all of us to sit down and understand what has happened, where we were, where we are now and how we got there. And we got there by you, the members, by you going down and, and talking to your legislators, by meeting your legislators, by calling them, by emailing them, and telling them what we want done and doing it in a, in a very civilized manner. Uh, and we're, we're very proud of that. We've been, uh, we've been honored by the, by the General Assembly uh, for our uh, actions, the way we do business, and uh, it's because of you. And uh, we want that to continue. We want you to continue pushing everything that we possibly can. We're going to continue to 
to loosen up the laws as long as we possibly can, and we're, we will do it with you. In the meantime, uh, coming up to the end of the program here, I want to remind you one more time, georgiacarry.org. You can go there. You can see everything we've done. All the contact information's there. My phone number's there, email address. Uh, call me if you have a question, if you want to complain, whatever you want to do. Give me a call. Remember, at Georgia Carey on Twitter, at GotYourBack64. Uh, don't forget you can download the commercial-free podcast at Newstalk1160.com. And we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, hosted by Georgia Carey's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.